0: Vaccinations are one of the safest, most efficient forms of prevention that exist. Not only safe and efficient for individual health, but for public health. I would let go many things in my healthcare uh, toolbox before I would not be immunized. So for me, both as a person and a physician, uh, immunizations are at the top of my list for prevention.
1: I grew up to the dawn of the polio vaccine era and participated in the SALT vaccine trials as a hmm. great school kid. So I remember the polio era before and then the post-vaccine era after the introduction of the SALT vaccine. It was that experience that really sort of helped shape my views on vaccination. In terms of the the public health importance, that was a major public health event in the world and certainly something that affected me personally. Uh, The other thing is that over the years, uh, I've recommended vaccines and vaccinated thousands of patients so that my observations are it's a very wise investment when you weigh the risk versus the benefit.
0: My vaccine program for seniors in the African-American community, there's a lot of issues with vaccines in the older population. And where I worked in Bedford-Stuyvesant, I had over 90% immunization rate in my seniors with flu vaccine and pneumococcal vaccine. It took a while. It took education. It took a lot of hand-holding. It took my explaining one-on-one, even though I had videos. But in the end, when all of it was done, I had over a 90% immunization rate with my seniors on flu vaccine and pneumococcal vaccine.
1: And I think that a solid doctor-patient relationship with a little education can help overcome any reluctance in most people, overcome their reluctance, being vaccinated?
0: I think the whole prevention effort being put forth by the Affordable Care Act will make it easier for patients to be vaccinated. The absence of cost is really an important factor for people to be vaccinated. I think there'll be an increased demand if we all do a good
1: enough job because the vaccine cost is included as a part of the visit, I think it opens up, it opens the door so that vaccines are more accessible to adults. It also focuses on adult vaccination in a way that we haven't really talked about before. Most of the time we talk about childhood vaccination schedules and adults are sometimes not addressed in the same way. And I think that what this does is also puts the focus on adult vaccination. So I see it as as an awareness activity under the Affordable Care Act, as well as an access activity.
0: I think it needs to be packaged that way. There are many other age-appropriate prevention that need to be addressed. When you're doing the prevention issue, you say, uh, come for your prevention visit, and then the vaccine doesn't stand out as something that's strange or a part, but it's part of a prevention package. I think that vaccines are important, not only for people in general, but I think it takes on an extra importance when you're in a cosmopolitan state like New York. I think that we have exposures all the time to people from everywhere. And so to the extent that there's a vaccine to prevent it, we should use it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. New York City certainly is a gateway. We also have international students who are coming in to Rochester, to New York City and and elsewhere in the state, so that it's possible that susceptible people throughout the state who are unvaccinated are susceptible to a variety of vaccine-preventable illnesses. We've certainly seen this most recently with measles in various parts of the state outside New York City, and uh, some of those cases have been in uh, both hospitals and on college campuses.
0: We're only a plane ride away uh, from measles, I mean, people flying into the U.S. from or into New York we're talking about now. From all over the world, we have to be vigilant about having the population vaccinated against all preventable diseases we have to make sure that we have the population entirely ready for all of these communicable diseases and i know it's difficult to say but there are many places outside of the united states but there are many places outside of the united states where the vaccine programs are not mandatory or they're not enforced we get many people coming into the U.S. that have not been vaccinated. So we have to be vigilant to make sure that our population is already covered and that we have herd immunity.
1: A time-honored public health strategy. Herd immunity is the situation in which large numbers of people are vaccinated and, as a result of that, protect those who are either not yet vaccinated or unvaccinated. But in order to protect unvaccinated people, you need large numbers of uh, the population who are vaccinated against that disease, and that's in excess of 95 percent. So we're talking about large numbers of people need to be vaccinated, and when the numbers of vaccinated people fall below that 95 percent line, then people become susceptible and herd immunity really doesn't apply any longer. college-age student is sort of the bridge, I think, between the, the childhood vaccine initiative and the older adults. And certainly when people are living in close proximity and interacting regularly, the risks uh, begin to change and we tend to see more transmission taking place more easily or more regularly. And I think college campuses are good examples of this military uh, recruit being another in older adults, uh, closed facilities such as uh, nursing homes and the like. The other thing that this points out is that a perception issue in terms of how we perceive various diseases. For example, pertussis or whooping cough is considered by most people to be a childhood illness. But in fact, immunity wanes over time, and uh, there's a, a vaccine preparation for adults that, that covers pertussis. And in fact, unimmunized adults do get pertussis. We've seen it in uh, adults uh, in the community as well as outbreaks in hospitals. So some of these uh, illnesses that we think are really limited to childhood are, in fact, very much uh, adult illnesses, pertussis being one, measles probably another.
0: And chicken pox in a different form in adults. So the immunity wanes and adults need to get their zoster immunizations.
1: I've been following a lot of my patients for a very long time, and they're getting older, so have been using a shingles vaccine, the zoster vaccine, even in some of our HIV people, and have found that it is widely accepted that people are interested, especially if they know someone who has been through a bout of shingles, that people are very interested in not having to relive the experience of one of their friends or family members. So we are certainly uh, using that vaccine, the shingles vaccine, and zoster vaccine in people uh, 60 and older, and making a point of uh, reminding them that this is, not just a, a childhood problem, uh, but if you've had chickenpox, you are also susceptible to shingles.
0: The other thing is, there are many adults in this country who have not had chickenpox. And there are many, many people from places where getting the chickenpox, the varicella vaccine, is not routine. So there are many adults who need to get immunized. Vaccines are not just for children. I don't know if that's been used, but it would be an interesting way of framing it because people think of immunization as primarily for children, if not. And for the uninitiated, the undereducated, and many of the people that we need to address, they definitely think of immunizations as something just for children. I had books back in the old days when people didn't use computers, and many people still don't, especially many seniors where I had them keep records of everything they did, I said, you go from place to place and you need to have your own medical record of these important dates. And so I had little books that was called The Passport to Health and had people keep a record of their important dates of their preventive services and when they need to be done. I always said, you keep your driver's license, you keep this, you keep that, you keep your credit cards." Is there anything more important than keeping a record of when you've had your immunization, just like we do for children? And so that's what I encourage my patients to do.
1: The electronic health record that's a big part of the Affordable Care Act will also help people keep track of their vaccination history, but also be aware that there are a couple relatively new things to consider, and that would be a uh, The uh, newest version of the adult pertussis is updating pneumonia or pneumococcal vaccines, staying in touch with regular checkups to make sure that these things become a part of your routine health care.
0: And many doctors now can just print out what preventive care you've had because they have it right in their medical records and you should take a copy and keep it with your records. Some of my patients were snowbirds. I'd give them a copy of their EKG and a copy of their labs and a copy of their immunizations. And so I think that we help to engage the patient and make them an active part of the care when they themselves are keeping a part of their medical record.
1: As physicians, we look at things from the big picture standpoint, that is how various things uh, impact large numbers of people, and then also look at those same things in individual patients. So I think it's important to speak briefly to both of those. And I think my role is to help translate the science and the evidence uh, regarding vaccine safety and vaccine importance to my individual patients, one at a time, and help them understand the importance of that. When I talk to a patient about the science and what vaccines mean for large numbers of people. I'm also talking about that individual patient and what I think is is best, in my judgment, for for that one patient. So it's uh, it's really a one person at a time, and we're really focusing on the individual because each patient is just a little bit different.
0: I tried to have uh, an overview of Vaccines in general and the benefit that they serve so that there's literature around their videos, um, and to have posters up there so that the patients are reminded. Then I offer the patient the vaccine and say, this is, this, this is the patients with whom you've had a long-term relationship. Most of the time you don't even have to offer because they know it's flu season or it's about to be flu season and that you are supposed to get your flu vaccine. But for those people who are hesitant to get it, then I put I give them reading material and I also say, I want you to read this and then we come in and we'll discuss it because I've already taken my flu vaccine for the season and then I say, I wouldn't offer it to you unless it was something that was in your best interest. Just like I took it for me, I want you to have it for your protection. And I explain the risk and benefits and all of that to those people who don't get it immediately that this is a quote in that list of preventive measures. But I have, in addition to the passport for health, the information that's age appropriate and the sort of checklist, you know, your pap smears due, your colonoscopy is due, your vaccine is due, you had your pneumococcal, you just need a flu vaccine, you need a zoster vaccine. So it's just put in a package. I try not to separate out vaccines because I think it puts emphasis on them rather than a prevention package. I've always found that that worked best to... Try and include it as part of your prevention. Your part of your overall prevention, for which is age appropriate for you, and that seems to have worked best.
1: The HPV vaccine really is a very important public health breakthrough because it prevents cancer, and I'm recommending it strongly for girls and young women through the age of 26, and uh, young boys and uh, young men through age 21. But I think it's really important here to focus on the big picture with HPV because it not only uh, prevents genital warts, but it prevents the genital warts that are associated with genital cancers in men and women. And that, I think, is really uh, the focus uh, of this disease and why it's so important and should be used. I
0: think the HPV vaccines is an important breakthrough as part of an overall plan for STI, but not only STI prevention, but for uh, cancer prevention. And I think it should be part of the comprehensive plan for young women through the age of 26 and young men through the age of 21, but part of an overall plan of prevention. The issue is that For some people, when they get the HPV vaccine, they think it protects from all STIs and including HIV. And we have to find a way to make sure that it's communicated, that it's specific for one, one viral prevention for viral warts and not for everything. I used to have a list of the most important public health initiatives that have caused an increase in longevity and one of them was vaccines not any of the many 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 other interventions that we think of as medical treatments was on the list of top 10 things but vaccines are and i think that that's very strong evidence to put out there that vaccines are one of the most effective ways of helping a population an individual and the population to remain healthy. And the other issue is that there's been one disease that we know about in the sort of the history of mankind that's been cured. There's not been a case of smallpox in the world since 1977. And that's because of an active vaccine program worldwide. And there's nothing else that we can point to in the history of medicine, that's been that effective, and it's all due to a vaccine. So I think vaccines are really sort of at the top of the list of prevention for me, as I said at the beginning of the of the call.